0: If you follow the church calendar, you may know that today is Epiphany Sunday. Epiphany is a big church word, but Epiphany is when we commemorate the wise men coming to find Jesus. So that's going to be our focus this morning. And those songs were chosen to help focus your mind and your hearts on the fact that it's Epiphany Sunday. So... What I'd like to do is take you to that story, and it's found in Matthew 2, Matthew 2, 1 through 12. It'll be on your screen, but if you want to look in your uh, Bible, it's on page 1,497, 1,497. So, the word of the Lord from Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. So Andy and I still have, Andy is my wife, for those of you that don't know that. she wasn't able to be here today, but we still have all our Christmas cards up. And what I would note about our Christmas cards these days is that most of them are kind of like what Andy and I do. We take pictures of our, our family, we now have four grandkids, so we have pictures of all them, and we send that on as a Christmas card. So most of them are that. Now, when I think back to when I was a kid and the Christmas cards my parents got, some people did that, but more people, it was some kind of traditional Christmas scene. And most often in my memory, it was a scene of the nativity, right? You'd see the stable, you'd see all the characters that we know and love from that story, and usually there'd be a a bright star shining down on all that, right? So picture that this morning. Picture that nativity scene. I don't know what your eyes are drawn to in that scene. You know, if I would imagine if you're a new parent, you might be drawn to the parents, right? Mary, the mother, or Joseph, the father. Uh, maybe if you are an animal lover, maybe you're drawn to what, what we picture there. I don't know if that's ac- accurate or not, but what you picture of having all these animals present at Jesus' birth we're in an agricultural part of the country, right? So maybe if you are into farming and agriculture, maybe you're drawn to the shepherds, right? Because we can kind of relate to them. They're rural, agricultural. But I wonder how many of us go right away to the wise men. I think the wise men can be a little mysterious for us, right? Right? The wise men, I think we know least about them. They're, they're from a different country. They're not, they're not Jewish. They're from a different country. They're probably very wealthy. They're probably very well-educated. So maybe it's a little harder for us to relate to them than the other characters in the Christmas story. So who were they? And why were they following a star? And what made them start out in the first place? And why would they bring gold and other expensive gifts to some baby that they didn't know in some country that they didn't know much about? We're going to take a deeper look at that this morning. So first of all, who were those wise men? Or magi, as they are often called. Early records show that they were from a priestly group of people and they likely followed a philosopher and I'll see how many people write this down and get the spelling right. It's a hard word. Zoroaster. Ever heard of Zoroastrianism? That's an ancient philosopher from Persia. You don't have to write that down. Don't. So these wise men were really religious leaders. In their culture, they were religious. Their job was to understand the present by looking at the future. They used religious means. They used scientific means to understand their current reality. They used astrology. Now, that's not a church word, is it? They used astrology or the study of stars, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Now go back to that picture of the nativity, everyone, with, with the wise men on the front. How many wise men were there? You dare to hold up your fingers? Okay. okay. There were probably actually more like 12 or 14. I, I'm not sure where that three thing came from. The Bible doesn't say that. But I think since we gave, they gave three gifts, gold incense, myrrh. We just assume that it's three, but it was probably more likely to be 12 or 14. Another question is, when did they actually come to visit the baby Jesus? If you look at Christmas cards, everybody's there, right? Baby Jesus is born, boom, everybody's there. Well, it's more likely, sorry to break all our romantic ideas about this, but it's more likely that it was at least 40 days later. I mean, Epiphany Sunday is 14 days after Christmas, so it's widely believed that it was at least two weeks. What I read in my research, that it was more like 40 days, maybe even up to two years later that they came to visit Jesus. So Jesus wouldn't have been a baby anymore. He would. I've got a couple grandkids that are almost two yeah, they're, not, they're hardly infant babies anymore. What do you remember about where the wise men came from? They came from the east, yeah. They came from the east. They were probably from what was then called Persia, which is modern-day Iran. We could talk a lot about Iran this morning. They were in the news again this week, but we're, we're not going to go there. But I'm a map guy. I don't know if you are, but if you picture a Middle East map, Israel's over here, Persia is over here. They are probably separated, at least from where we think the wise men came from, about 900 miles. 900 miles. So I'm not exactly sure how they traveled. Probably camel caravan. Probably donkeys or some kind of beast of a burden. Probably walking. 900 miles. I don't know how long that took them, but I've never walked that far. <laughs> I don't know what that would be like to travel 900 miles on a donkey or a camel. That would be like if we set out after church and went 900 miles, we'd end up in Atlanta or Washington, D.C. So that's a that's a hike. That was a long, that was a long trip. And we usually, I remember some of those Christmas cards too, had those three camels with the three wise men, right? Well, it had to have been quite an entourage, right? They had to have their food for this several month journey. They had to have their supplies they had to carry their gold incense, and myrrh. My guess is they had to have servants to cook for them, set up their tents. They probably had to have security i mean they were They were going through a desert area, and what what I learned was a rather lawless area, nine hundred mi- miles of remote, lawless area. So it was probably quite an entourage of people. So once they finally arrived in Judea, what did they do then? Matthew tells us that the star led them where first? Jerusalem. Yeah, I think we, we kind of forget that. They first were led to Jerusalem Not Bethlehem. That again goes against our greeting card in popular culture, right? So they went to Jerusalem because they weren't sure where they were supposed to go. So they went, they found Herod, the king, and they asked this question that we read in Matthew 2. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star and have come to worship him. We've come to worship him. Herod, the king of the Jews at that point, certainly was aware of them. Had to have been. That entourage that we just talked about, it would be hard to ignore that, right? Now, Herod was part Jew and was raised as a Jew and should have known a lot of that prophecy about the Messiah coming, but it seems as if he didn't know much about that. He had to call his religious leaders, right? And they're the ones, his leaders are the ones that said where Jesus was to be born, in Bethlehem in Judea. So how did they know that? We read it in Matthew 2. They looked at prophecy, the prophecy from Micah. And I'll read it again, because this is such a beautiful verse of prophecy But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So the wise men learned that this king was in Bethlehem, so that's where they went. Now, hope you're not getting sick of history and geography, but a little bit about... Uh, Bethlehem. Bethlehem is on that same plateau that Jerusalem is on, and it's about six miles away. And again, if we were after church to get in our vehicles and go six miles, I don't know, would we get to your house, DeVries's? We'd get to Denny and Bev's house. We'd also, if we were going west, get to LDJ. If we were going northeast, we'd get to the South Skunk River Bridge on our way to Peary. That's about six miles. When I learned that, And like I said, I'm a geography guy. I had no idea Jerusalem and Bethlehem were that close together. So by the time the wise men got to Jerusalem, they were were almost there, but not all the way there. So in case you're getting sick of history and geography, let's go a little deeper and talk about maybe a bigger question. Why... Did the wise men bother to come find this king anyway? Their culture was widely considered to be more superior than Jewish culture. So what would cause these wise men, however many there were, I just about said three there, what would cause these 12 to 14 wise men to go to the expense, danger, and difficulty of making that however many month journey to find this baby and to go into this culture that was considered to be inferior to their Persian culture. Well, these wise men were considered to be magicians. That's where the word magi comes from. They followed Zoroaster, like I said earlier. That group studied stars. In fact, they were astrologers. Now, astrologers are astronomers, meaning they study the stars and the planets and their movements. But astrologers do a little bit more with astronomy. They study the alignment and movement of the stars and planets, and they assign meaning to it. They try to predict future events, and they try to apply it to current reality now i don 't want to go too far down this, but I think there are lots of people that kind of quietly follow astrology today i don 't know how many of you kind of enjoy looking at your horoscope in the Des Moines register or online you don 't have to know no we won 't make anybody raise their hands but uh, that 's astrology and those horoscopes those those things about yes you 're going to find you 're going to meet the love of your life this this month or today or whatever that is. That's based on the alignment and movement of the stars. So these astrologers, these wise men, were expected to know all about the the nighttime sky. They were expected to know all that. That was their job. And they were accountable to their leaders to notice if anything in the sky changed. And they were expected to make sense of it. So that's what's going on. And I think that's why they took the risk to make this 900-mile journey through the desert. Now, these wise men were probably aware of Jewish culture and you if you know some Old Testament history, you can probably know why if you recall the children of Israel were in captivity in Babylon for however many years that was, which was a couple hundred years before this. So the Jewish culture had a place in Persia already. Babylon was part of the Assyrian culture, which was then taken over by the Persians. So these wise men, if they paid attention to those Jews, down through the generations, would have known about this prophecy of a king, or known something about it you you are aware if you know the old testament there are many prophecies about the coming messiah there are, there are be- there are beautiful prophecies w- one that that i want to share with you that you've probably heard of numbers 24:17 a star will come out of jacob a scepter will rise out of israel so in that first century the wise men from Persia expected that some king or ruler would come out of the Jewish culture. Their expectation was that that ruler would rise to power and very likely rule the region, if not the world. These wise men from Persia, and likely wise men from around the then-known world, were paying attention because of this now look back once more at your wise men in judea they've they've found him and now they're bringing their gifts to him we're not going to get into those gifts we already sang about that suffice it to say those gifts were expensive and those gifts set those wise men apart from others just their willingness to bring those expensive gifts Is worth noting. That willingness of these, let's call them immigrants, people that were not familiar with Jewish culture, to recognize him as king is amazing. And not just as a king, but the king. Capital T, capital H, capital E, the king. Now, there's an interesting character in this story that we haven't talked very much about yet. That's King Herod. Herod was a bad guy. I think we associate him with John the Baptist, right? That's not all the bad stuff Herod did. He actually killed one of his wives. He killed his own mother, and he killed two of his own sons. That's that's a bad character. He was clearly paranoid of almost everyone and did everything he could to stay in power. He was paranoid and profoundly scared about an attack from the east because there there was a history of invasions from that direction. So Herod clearly would have seen the wise men, the magi, as a threat. Like we said, their entourage was huge. So they would have been perceived as a threat. Herod the paranoid would likely have thought they were going to join forces with some Judeans to oust him from power. Herod's worst fear. But we know that was not their purpose, was it? We know they followed the star from Persia for a reason. They were letting it lead them. Did it take them all the way to Bethlehem? No. As we noted earlier, it brought them only to Jerusalem. Church, that's worth noting. The star, part of created order, only takes them Part way to Christ. It only takes them part way. It's the Scripture. It's the Word of the Lord that leads them all the way to Christ through the prophecy. That's very worth noting for us today. I think if you're a nature lover like I am, I love south-central Iowa, the hills, the trees, the creeks, the lakes, the fields... Many of us admire the mountains of Colorado. Maybe you admire the uh, beaches of Florida or the, the Caribbean. Maybe you appreciate the seeing a, a bald eagle fly out by the dam, maybe the birth of a new baby calf. All those things are great and are evidence of our creative Father, but they can only point us to Christ. It's the power of God's Word, the Scripture, that actually led the Magi directly to Christ. And it's the power of God's Word that leads you and I directly to Christ as well. The words in this book, with the help of the Spirit, help us see and know Christ and what He offers us through His grace and mercy. The words of this book, straight from God, Lead us right into the arms of Jesus. So, church, here we are. The Magi have found Jesus. Picture their entourage in Bethlehem again with hills all around. They enter the house where Jesus was. And I want to highlight their reaction Did you see what Matthew said about their reaction? It doesn't say they were impatient or curious or surprised or disappointed by a plain baby born to plain poor parents in a plain house. That's not what it said. It says they were overjoyed. I heard somebody say it. They were overjoyed. They were profoundly happy. Now, to be overjoyed means something, doesn't it? I don't know when the last time was you were overjoyed. Maybe it was Christmas morning, kids, when you opened up that gift that you had wanted and you got it. Maybe you were overjoyed then. Maybe when you got your bonus at work, maybe you were overjoyed. Uh, If you are a parent, maybe when your first child or your second and, not or, and your second child, if if, if you were a parent. Maybe you were overjoyed then. I think we all have those moments when we're overjoyed. But to be overjoyed means you are consumed with your joy. You're beside yourself with joy. You're profoundly moved by your joy. So Matthew says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Because they knew they had found the one for whom they had been searching for months, probably years. They had arrived. They had found the one they were longing for. They were thrilled. They were overjoyed. And what did they do? They worshipped. They worshipped. The work of this church is to be that star. Our churches and each of us who are Christ followers are called to do the work of that star. We can use our lives at home, at work, in this community, to point others to Jesus. We can use our lives to point others to Jesus Christ so they too can experience and know that joy. We who know Christ have an opportunity to be that star to those around us. That is my vision for my work as a chaplain, to support people and when possible, help them to turn to look at Jesus And take a step closer to Him, whether they know Him now or not. And that is the church's job to help people see and experience the joy that comes when they know and experience Jesus. That's your job, members of Cornerstone. You're called to let your life be a star that leads your family, your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers, to turn and look at Jesus and maybe take one step closer to Him. So Matthew tells us the wise men were overjoyed. The wise wise men were religious outsiders. But it says they were overjoyed. Herod, on the other hand, was a religious insider. He wasn't overjoyed. In fact, he wanted to kill this king. The magi, the outsiders, have nothing at first but astrology and their own cultural idols. They have the witness of creation, but they don't have an insider knowledge of scripture. Yet, The pagan magi are the ones who follow the star and respond by worshiping. Herod and the Jews, the insiders, who have been privileged with all the resources they could want, tradition, prophecy from God's Word, choose to ignore it. Here's the gospel, Cornerstone Church. The magi have faith. Herod lacks faith. The outsiders seek and find the Messiah of Israel, while Herod the insider, again, seeks to kill the Messiah by murdering him. It's the pagan, heathen astrologers or magi from Persia who do the preaching here. Even though they were considered the opposite of the Jewish leaders of the day, they were considered by Jewish culture to be the worst pagans because they were astrologers. But, those same magi show us what we sinners can become through grace. And that is the power of the gospel, is it not? Anyone can come to Christ if they are led there and are willing to worship the king. Anyone can be an insider if only they will choose to believe and accept Christ's gift. Anyone can, no matter their past or present, their problems, their sins, or their scandals, can follow the star and come to the manger and see Christ and worship. Church, most of us are insiders. We've been privileged with all the resources, the traditions, and access to the scripture that we need Church, I ask us this morning, are our hearts soft enough to allow Christ to transform us? Or are we hard-hearted like Herod in this story? Church, do we care enough about our neighbors, family, friends, coworkers, to let our lives be stars that point others to Christ? In closing, Note that in this story, the wise men speak only one time. They ask a question Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. These people who know essentially nothing about the Savior, these outsiders, have a message for the world then and for us now. It's a clear message. God came to earth as a human baby. He lived on the earth and experienced life just as we do. He died and experienced separation from God and then rose again to redeem and restore us. That baby, that child, is and forever will be the king of the universe. Church, come and worship Christ, the newborn king. Amen. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you for the example of the wise men who followed that star at considerable cost and were willing and soft-hearted enough to believe and worship. Father, we ask for a good measure of your Spirit to help us do the same. May we be a light to our community, to our families, to our coworkers, to our neighbors. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.